Okay, hi guys. You're listening to Terrifying Travel, the podcast where two friends discuss a true crime and a paranormal story in a new city every week. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Maddie. And that was beautiful. I got on the last episode. Beautiful. There was no stuttering. I'm so... Yes. So anyway, where are we going? We are heading to the bayou, honey child, down to New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, I like we chose I had a lot of fun recording New York, but I'm so happy this is our final episode for the season. I'm so excited for this one. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I think we both picked some amazing cases. Yes. Um, so we could just start right off the bat, I think. Would you like to hear some fun facts? Yes. Ready, yes. Okay, once again, just like New York, I kind of fished these out real quick. Some of them are kind of, you could tell I was worried I wasn't going to find anything good. Some of them are pretty good, though. That's good. Okay. So let's start with New Orleans was was the first city in the United States to host an opera. Oh. Yes. Um, And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to make a handful of references to the originals. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if the opera house actually burnt down or it only burnt down in the mo- the TV show, the originals. But if it did burn down in real life, it was because a crazy vampire daddy was trying to hunt down his vampire kids. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not sure this is a good idea because even doing um, my facts was like, oh, I know that that was featured on the originals. Oh, I know that Elijah went there. I mean, I fully based my case off of American Horror Story Coven, so... You did crime, correct? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Okay, I had a brief moment there where it was like, we didn't do the same case, did we? No, 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 no. We both based... We talked about that. Yes, yes. 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 Okay. So number two, and as always, I don't explain how it happened. I just say that it happened. A pirate helped defend New Orleans during the War of 1812. That checks out. So how do you say this city? New Orleans? Yes, there you go. Because I've heard New Orleans, but my grandmother, I think my grandmother is from New Orleans, and then she moved to New Jersey, where she Mm -hmm. was bullied for having a funny accent, and it's like, you're in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) You're in Jersey. (laughs) Yes, the nanny. Um. But I get it. She was the only one with a New Orleans accent. But I always said New Orleans until she was like, New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. And now I'm like, New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. I, I Although like, when she when she wants to, she could pronounce it much more drawn out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, so we, or the nickname for New Orleans is NOLA. I've seen that, yes. yes or Crescent Nola. City. Yes. Which I did skip over that fun fact. I didn't feel like that was too interesting. And I figured we'd drop it in at some point on our own. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so the St. Louis Cathedral is the oldest continually operating cathedral in the United States. Wow. Bourbon Street wasn't named after the liquor. It was actually named after the royal family of the time, the House of Bourbon. Oh, interesting. City Park was originally used for dueling. <laughs> Which was actually a lot better than I was anticipating, um, although it's a park. But our our town square was originally where the slaves were sold. Oh. So, yeah, when I first started reading that, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's not bad. 
Now, was it dueling with guns or dueling with swords? We don't know. Hmm. Well, it's probably one and then migrated to the other. Yeah, probably. Although I think, I personally think swords is, is a more spectator event. Yeah. Uh, guns <laughs> is more of a drop and fall to your knee, fall to your stomach kind of event. Yes. Yes, yes. So masks are mandatory uh, on Mardi Gras floats. Oh. Not COVID masks, pretty masks. Pretty masks, yes. Which I have a little collection of my own, also from my grandmother. Oh. New Orleans was the Louisiana state capital before Baton Rouge. Oh. I was actually having a talk, uh, we, I was talking to a friend Friday about that. The capital of a lot of New American states are not the, the biggest cities. Yeah. It's, and like, I get it, it was probably at the time they probably were the biggest cities um, or they were close to other things. Cause like New York City is not the capital of New York. Right. It's weird. So, yeah. oh, I put this in twice. <laughs> Pirate Jean Lafitte helped defend New Orleans from the British. Oh, um, La, uh, Lafayette? Well, it doesn't, I, I, I know what the word Lafayette, it doesn't, it's L-A-F-I-T-T-E. Oh, okay, so different, different spelling, okay. Yep, but it was probably pronounced similar, because you're right, it's French, they wouldn't add the E, so it'd be like Lafayette or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that actually means I only have ten, which is perfect. Nine, the Lake Pontchartrain mm -hmm. Causeway is the world's longest bridge. Mm. And that lake is going to come up in my story. And it frustrates me because depending on where you decide a syllable is, it changes the way you would pronounce that word. That's very true. Does very the T go into chart or does it go into train? I think it's like, I think it's Lake Pontamain. <laughs> what? Okay. Or, uh, or Pontatrain? Pontatrain? Pontatrain. Yeah. I could actually see that. But what if I just refer to it as Lake P? <laughs> Lake P, that's fair. Lake P Causeway is the world's longest bridge. Nice. The first recorded U.S. Mafia activity happened in New Orleans. Oh. Which is interesting. Yes. And Preservation Hall, which Elijah happened to frequent, is the oldest New Orleans jazz club. Nice. Yes. Uh, oh, Sabrina, we need to go to New Orleans. I know, I know, I know. Don't. We gotta have I, a girls trip. We gotta do it. Oh, that would be, I, I can't though. I almost stayed in Memphis when a guy with a Memphis accent asked me to stay and I didn't even know him. I almost stayed. I couldn't do New Orleans. Oh, I feel that. I feel that. So, however, I think this is the first time we are doing a city that neither of us have ever been to. Yeah. So when you tell us here. where to go, you're actually just straight up telling us where to go. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. where are we going, Maddie? All right. Get to down New Orleans. I just think of Princess and the Frog. I'm just like, oh. I love that movie, and that is partially I why. Love that movie. Did love you hear? Movie. They are repurposing the what was it? Thunder Thunder Rapids ride in Disneyland, Disney yeah, World. Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain, which I have. Honestly, it's one of those things where it's like you know what? Everyone says it's racist, therefore it's racist. Plus, the movie wasn't even a hit. So yeah. who cares? The ride is more popular than the, the movie. However, mm -hmm. I have been on that ride, and it was the only ride in Disney World that made both my brother and I cry. Oh. <laughs> because at some point, have you gone on it? 
Yes, of course. So that, yes. I wasn't sure. That part where you go over and you come down right as you're going into those spiky bushes. Yep, yep. Scared the shit out of my brother and I. Like, that is the clearest recollection we have of Disney World. Yes. So we are very thankful it's not going to be a ride anymore and nobody else will have to experience that trauma. However, yes. I am so excited for a Tiana ride. Oh my god, I'm so excited for Princess and the Frog ride. Oh, the music on that ride is going to be amazing. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, and there's going to be all- alligators playing trumpets for sure. Yes, Louie. Oh, and I hope we get to see Evangeline. Oh, yes. oh I'm going to cry because when he dies, I do cry. Oh my god, same. Okay, same. okay. so anyway, where do we go in New Orleans, not Disney okay. World? New Orleans! Okay, <laughs> number 10 on the places to go in New Orleans is the St. Louis Cemetery. No. <laughs> That is, we've talked about the Paris catacombs. Yeah. I would love to do the cemeteries. I really yep. would. Uh, the person I cover is in in, in there. I would. Mm-hmm. But, like, even mm-hmm. when Isaac and I were in Rochester, there's a famous cemetery there. And I like I said to him, too, though, the famous people in the Rochester cemetery don't mean anything to me. Right. Like, it's not that they don't mean anything. It's just, like, you know, the people that fought for the end of slavery are in there and it's like okay but Isaac that's your end of slavery my end of slavery was long before you guys thought about it yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. like I respect them but it's not something I would want to force myself to enter a, a graveyard to get into yeah but just something about walking through graves I think we've talked about this I can't you and I would have to go and hold hands yeah and yeah. apologize and maybe yeah. be a wee bit drunk <laughs> not disrespectfully drunk, just enough where I can do it. A little bit of liquid courage. Yes, that's literally what I need. Courage to walk through a graveyard. Yes, 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 yes. All right. I can do it, though. I just can't touch anything. Yes, don't touch nothing. Don't take nothing. Leave some flowers, like everything. Well, and see, like, that's the with the case I'm going to cover. They do that. They, they, they damage her grave. And it's like, oh. no. Uh, yeah. It makes you'll you'll understand it when I get to it, but I just know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get. Okay. That. Where to next? Number nine. You've already mentioned it. It is Preservation Hall. I'd love to go. I am a traditional jazz fan, which everyone thinks that mm. means like the boring jazz fan. No, I don't like the song that never ends and never begins. Traditional jazz is New Orleans jazz. That is more connected to the blues. I love that. Yeah, no, I love jazz. I love jazz yeah. so much. We should go to a jazz club. Oh, yeah, yes. Okay, we're, so we've now gone to a cemetery and a jazz club. Where are we going next? Number eight is the New Orleans City Park. Okay, to cool off after yeah. we give ourselves it, the heebie-jeebies and then jazz. Yep. Yeah. It's apparently one of the nation's oldest urban parks, and it's 1,300 acres. That's huge. Okay. Yeah. I think a little bit of it is the bayou. From the oh, bayou. I have mixed feelings about the bayou. Yeah. I, I also just... I've only ever heard of them referred to as Satan's armpit. So <laughs> my <laughs> hair does not want to go there. It's gonna be hot. It's gonna be yeah. hot in New Orleans. Be hot. Okay. So Number now we are hot, sticky, and scared of dead people. Where do we go next? Probably drunk well, too. We probably got a drink at the preservation <laughs> hall. 
well, we're going to uh, get those dead people away from us because we're going to the St. Louis Cathedral. Which is not where we should go as we're hot, sticky, and drunk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But what, okay. You know, we probably should have went to that. I assume the St. Louis Cathedral is next to the graveyard. Yeah. You know, I don't think we planned this very well. No, I think we should go to the cathedral first, ask permission, and then go. Oh, that's much better. That's much better. Yes. No, we should definitely, or we do it after and ask for forgiveness. But when it comes to dead people, I'd like to ask permission. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, where are we going after we cleanse our souls? <laughs> Number six, we're going to hop on some of the streetcars in NOLA. Okay, that I want to do. Yeah, I'm down for a streetcar. I love a good trolley, especially if they're a wine trolley. Hmm? Have you seen those? No, tell me more. Okay, so basically, I think I think they have them in Memphis. I'm not sure. But certain cities have taken old streetcars and street trolleys and made it to where you can pedal them, kind of like bicycles. And, of course, you're with, like, like 12 or, like, 18 people. And there's a bar in the middle, and there's a bartender, and he can, like, serve you all the drinks and stuff. I have heard of this. Um, are you sure us peddling it drunk is a great idea? We're not getting anywhere. <laughs> I got to see if we can do this in New Orleans, because I'd be down. I would be, too, yes. I and know we could do it in Nashville. I know this is absolutely not how it works, but we could peddle it to all the places we need to go and true. just do our own tour. <laughs> true, 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 true. Okay, carry on. Number five, we're going to go to the Garden District. We'll I've never heard it. of this district. It's basically just a historic walking district with lots of fancy Victorian fan, um, houses. And I think they shot American Horror Story Coven there. Number four, another historical district, is the French Quarter. Which I want to go to. The oldest section of New Orleans. Which I assume is kind of French. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're going to multiple quarters on our little wine bike. Where do we go next? <laughs> our next one is also in the French Quarter. It's number three, Jackson Square. Yes, I know that one. I told you I'd be there when we recorded this. Yes. Okay, so now that I'm very sad that that's not where I am, where do we go after Jackson Square? <laughs> after that, we are going to Frenchman Street. Okay, I haven't heard of this one. Apparently, it's like a little neighborhood in New Orleans, and it's famous because after the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2010, like the street was like partied like for two whole days, just all on that street. Good for them. Yeah. So it's just wild. Love it. Okay. So that's where we park our wine bike for a second. Yes. Okay. And I think we're, we only have two more places to go. One more. One more. Oh man. Okay. Well, we're, we're wine powered. We can do it. Our last one, a little sad, oh. is number one, the National World War II Museum. You know, I'm actually really surprised that that's on the list and, like, the Voodoo Museum and stuff like that aren't. Yeah, yeah. But I guess a lot of people just don't want that kind of stuff. 
I also think, yeah, yeah. well, it kind of depends. If we Googled a different list, we'd probably have one that we would recognize more. Yeah, 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 of course. Because there are definitely places on that that aren't on that list that should be, yes. to me. Yeah, yeah, but that's, you're still using TripAdvisor? Yeah. Yeah, so that's probably the most popular on TripAdvisor. That's interesting yeah, yeah. to know, to think about, actually. Yeah, I'm looking through, like, all the others to see, like, where the voodoo museum lands so let me see because to be honest i have no interest in going to the world war museum yeah me neither um i'd rather go to the jazz museum which is number 52 okay sure yeah yeah or the new orleans jazz and heritage festival that makes sense although i think festivals fall lower on the list just because you know they're shorter they're once a year yeah yeah but it's weird that Bourbon Street is 39. Okay, Bourbon Street should have been within at least the top 15. Yeah. But you go to number 33, which is New Orleans Musical Legends Park. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a funny one. Is it I can't recall if it's BB King or Muddy Waters. I think it's Muddy Waters, who my cat Morgan is named after. He was playing in a brothel in New Orleans. Ooh. Um when things got a little bit rowdy, as, you know, they do at a brothel. And so Muddy, uh, and they still have the, the guitar. I have seen this guitar. He smashed the guitar on the back of a rowdy patron's head, cracking the back, and he had to get out of town because that wasn't obviously not good. So he had to sell the guitar to get out of the city. Oh. So they have the guitar again. It's in the museum in Clarksdale. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. That was so random, but you said musicians, and I'm like, what do I know about music in New Orleans? That's what yeah. I know about music in New Orleans. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, I found the Voodoo mu- Museum. It is number 69. Of course, where it should be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it should be 69. Of course nice. it should. It took me a second nice. to pick up on what I had just said, too. Yeah. I don't know. There's definitely, if you go to, like... I don't know, a weird girl website, the, the, their list will make more sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I went first in New York. Would you like to go first in New Orleans? Yes, I'm going first. Yes. Okay, and I do know a little bit about, I think today is one of the rare times we both know a little bit about each other's stories. Yeah, we know little bits and pieces, yes. Yes. I think okay. I think the audience will know about our cases as well. Oh, like from pop culture. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So today I am covering the axe man of New Orleans, the infamous serial killer who liked jazz, and we still don't know who he is to this day. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and jump right into it. I wanted to the Axemen. As I said earlier, I was inspired by American Horror Story Coven because they he makes an appearance in that show. And I absolutely love American Horror Story. And that's my favorite season. So I wanted to do it. Okay. So let's hop into it. For over a year, from May 1918 to October 1919, the city of New Orleans was in a frenzied panic over a roaming serial killer dubbed the Axeman. The first to succumb to the sharp blade of the Axeman was an Italian grocer named Joseph Maggio and his wife, Catherine, on May 23rd, 1918. 
As they lay sleeping in their apartment above the Maggio grocery store, the killer cut the couple's throats with a straight razor before bashing in their heads with an axe. When law enforcement began to investigate, they found the bloody clothes of the murderer as he had obviously changed into a clean set of clothes before fleeing the scene. Police ruled out robbery as motivation for the attacks as money and valuables left in plain sight were not stolen by the intruder. Near the couple's homes, a message written in chalk read, quote, Mrs. Joseph Maggio will sit up tonight. Just write Mrs. Tony, end quote. Investigators immediately questioned several people, but all were released for lack of evidence. A little more than a month later, another couple was attacked in the early morning hours of June 27, 1918. Louis Besumer, a grocer, and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, lived in quarters at the back of the store. When no one opened the store in the morning, they were discovered lying in a pool of blood. Besumer had been struck with an axe above his right temple, and Lowe was hacked over the left ear. Though badly injured, both of them were still alive. Once again, people were questioned, and one man was arrested, but then later released. Though the crime made the newspapers a bigger note to some that this was a scandal of him having a mistress. After the attack, one side of Lowe's face was partially paralyzed, and on August 15th, she had surgery performed in an effort to correct it. Two days later, she died, but before she passed, she told authorities that she suspected that it was Louis who had attacked her, the same man she's having the affair with. Louis was then charged with murder and served nine months in prison before being acquitted on May 1st, 1919, after a 10-minute jury deliberation. So, while all that's going on, on August 5th, a third similar attack was made on Mrs. Edward Schneider, who was eight months pregnant. As the 28-year-old laid in bed, she awoke to see a dark figure standing over her and was bashed in the face repeatedly. Shortly after midnight, she was discovered by her husband, who had just returned home from work. Her scalp had been cut open and her face was completely covered in blood, but somehow she survived the attack to give birth to a healthy baby girl two days later. One man was arrested on suspicion, but soon released for lack of evidence. By this time, investigators began to publicly speculate that the attack was related to the previous incidents involving Basumer and Maggio. So now investigators are like, we're connecting some dots here. There's, there's, there's some common threads going on, which like, good job, you can fucking see. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, le at least they did that, though. The amount of times we're sitting here screaming 20 years later, how did you not say this? And they're like, yeah, exactly. exactly. It was it's only like, so three obvious. similar murders. Yeah. Like, it's so obvious. He has an MO. Just fucking look for it. Yeah. Also, for the listeners, I've had a little bit of wine, so I'm a little sassy. Oh, I am driving as soon as we're done this, so I didn't. But I love that this might be the one episode where you might actually talk as much as I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I have I have a little bit of wine, and I'm just a chatterbox. Like I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, here we go. <laughs> Just five days later, yet another grocer, a man named Joseph Romano, was attacked on August 10th. The elderly grocer lived with his two nieces who awoke to the sound of commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. The girls entered Romano's room to find that they had taken a serious blow to his head and saw the assailant was fleeing. The grocer, though seriously injured, was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived, but then he died two days later due to severe head trauma. The girls were able to provide a brief description of the killer, a dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and slouched hat. Other clues of the crime were similar to the previous one, such as the scenes were often ransacked, but nothing else was ever stolen, that the killer used the owner's hatchets and blades, that panels of doors or windows were chiseled away to gain entry, and that the majority of the victims were Italian. Yet another in a series of murders and assaults by the Axemen created sweeping fear in the city. Police were inundated with reports of citizens planning to have seen an Axeman lurking neighborhoods, axes, chisels found in backyards, and doors and windows that appeared to be tampered with. People began to carry loaded shotguns, and family members took turns watching over their families at night. One report alleged the Axeman was masquerading as a woman. Another, ooh, sorry. Another report said that he had been seen leaping over a back fence. People were, frankly, afraid determined to protect themselves, and the city was borderline panicking. But perhaps the heat generated by that terror was somehow transferred to the Axeman as the killings and the assaults stopped just as quickly as they had started. Over the months, the fear waned and the neighborhoods returned to no normal until March 10th, 1919, when the Axeman struck again. Charles Cortamicula, which sounds like part of the brain, <laughs> was an immigrant and grocer who lived with his wife, Rosie, and two-year-old daughter, Mary, just in the town of Gretna, just across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. When screams were heard coming from the residents in the early morning hours, neighboring grocer Lolado Giordano rushed across the street to investigate. There he found the three had been attacked. Rosie had awakened to find her husband struggling with a large man wielding an axe. When her husband fell to the floor, the assailant turned on her as she held her daughter and begged for their lives. Undaunted, the killer slammed the axe down on both the mother, mother and the daughter. When the neighbor arrived, Charles was lying in a pool of his own blood on the floor as Rosie stood in the doorway with a serious head wound clutching her deceased daughter. The couple was rushed to the hospital where both were treated for skull fractures. Charles was released two days later while his wife remained in the care of the doctors. Upon gaining full consciousness, Rosie stated that the attack was made by the neighboring grocer, Lorlando Gerlando, and his 18-year-old son, Frank. Though Lorlando, a 69-year-old man, was in too poor of a health to have committed the crimes, and Frank was too big to fit through the panel in the back door, however, both of them were arrested. Though Charles denied his wife's claims, the Giordanos were charged with the murders and would later be found guilty. Frank was sentenced to hang, and his 
father was sentenced to life in prison. And after the trial, Charles divorced his wife. About a year later, Rosie reversed her claim, stating that she had falsely accused the two of them out of jealousy and spite. With her claim being the only evidence against the Giordanos, they were released from jail shortly thereafter. Which, thank God that two people, two innocent people didn't die because of this lady. Like, thank, thank God that she said no. Um, Related but unrelated, that's one of the many reasons I don't support the death penalty. Yeah. What if she had just taken a couple more years to come up with the truth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what if she wasn't um, so swift to have a guilty conscience? <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Also, it seems like our axe man uh, doesn't have very good aim. Like, like he he hits people, but then they survive. It's one of those things where it's like, how do you survive? How how do you go with an axe and they survive? Like, how bad? To me, if you hit me with an axe, I'm dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, short yeah. of you. <laughs> slapping me in the thigh with it if you hit me in the head i'm dead yeah yeah so i'm i'm really actually shocked reading this now that like there like so many people like survive to like talk about it i'm just like what especially for medicine at the time yes yeah but yeah and that probably would have been a horrible surgery to get fixed too yeah 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 Sounds like our axe man is just a big old swing and a miss. (laughs) You're drinking wine more often. (laughs) I think it makes me funny. (laughs) Welcome to Terrifying the Travels, where the podcast where Sabrina will be sober, Maddie won't be. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Following the murders, New Orleans was again filled with tech filled with terror and once again began to arm themselves. The police stated that they believed all the crimes to be committed by the same man. Quote, a bloodthirsty maniac filled with a passion for human slaughter, unquote. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Then a new twist came upon the scene when the newspaper received a taunting letter on March 14th, 1919, that promised another attack. And I have the letter here. So, going to read it for us. So, hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you, oh God, I am what you Orleans and your foolish police call the X-Man. When I see fit, I shall come and claim another victim. I alone know who they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. 
In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it was better that they were never born to than to incur the wrath of the X-Man. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleans think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay you a visit every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, parentheses, earthly time, in parentheses, on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in, full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people will do, well, yeah. one thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it on Tuesday night will get the ax. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse. Hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee, I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed either in fact or realm of fancy. Signed, The Axeman. That was so much fun to read. I'm sorry. I know he's horrible, but that was a lot of fun. No, it's kind of like going through Sammy's website. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we're like, wow, you really think a lot of yourself. You think a lot of yourself. You don't think you're a man. You think you're a demon. Or yes. spirit. Or In the angel time. Death. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That That was fun to read. Well, I think that's the first time I've ever heard the whole thing read. Normally they read clips, but you're like, no, this is entertaining. We're reading all of it. Yeah, because he just keeps going. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Per the killer's statement that no one listening to jazz on March 19th would get the axe, the music flowed from homes across much of the city, dance halls were filled to capacity, and professional and amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of houses around town, and no one was killed. For several weeks, all was quiet, but people still lived in fear. On August 10th, 1919, another grocer named Steve Boca was attacked in his bedroom as he slept. Boca awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed. Suffering from a blow from an axe, he survived, and upon regaining consciousness, he ran to the home of his neighbor, Frank Ganusa, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. He was then treated for his injuries, 
but was unable to remember the details of the attack. Like others who had been assailed by the Axemen, nothing was taken from his home and a panel on the back door of the home had been chiseled away. On September 2nd, a local druggist, I guess a word back then for pharmacists, maybe, named William Carson escaped the lethal Axemen when he fired several shots at the intruder who had broken into his home. The killer left a broken door and an axe behind. On September 3rd, 1919, a young girl named Sarah Lauman was attacked with an axe while she slept in her locked and shuttered home. When neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone, they discovered her lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from severe head injury and missing several teeth. Though she suffered from a brain concussion, she recovered and a bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Once again, New Orleans was in a state of hysteria, but nothing more would be heard from the Axemen for nearly two months. The last attack from the Axemen came on October 27, 1919, when grocer Mike Pepperton was slain. That night, his wife heard a noise and arrived at the door of the bedroom just as a large axe-building man displaying the scene. Pepitone had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. His murder left his wife and six children behind. Mrs. Pepitone, the mother of the six children, was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer, and the usual clues had been left behind. The authorities continued to work on the case, but it would be in vain. Pepitone's murder was the last known of the Axeman killer, and the Axeman killer was never seen or heard from in New Orleans again. I feel like I need to clap. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the case. Like, one of those unsolved things. Like, do you have any ideas what happened to him? No. Like, no, so um, we're just done. Yeah, I think, I think legit, like, he's just become such a legend. At this point, yep. That people are like, there's not really like we don't even get a name. We don't get anything. Normally, when I do my cases, I go into like the background of the guy and like his childhood and stuff. But we we have legit nothing. Well, and it was before like this was before like you know the Zodiac killer. We also don't know, but we have possibilities. Yeah. This was before yeah. ev- all of that. Yeah. Yeah, this is, one is old, like 1919, yeah, 1918, very old. They think maybe one of 18. the threads. Yeah, 1918. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, other way around. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, they think maybe one of the threads might be that this was just someone committing a lot of hate crimes. Against because, Jew, uh, Italian grocers. Yeah, Italian grocers. And they're all grocers, which is also yep. a big other thing. It's like, so it's just this one guy who had a thing about Italian grocers. I think, personally, the Axeman was another grocer who wasn't doing good in the business. So he just took out some of his competition. Yeah, that would make sense. Right? Um, like... That would make a lot of sense. Well, and it would be stereotyping, but that would bring in some of the mafia part, too. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, although yeah. I heard as well that they don't even think the letter might have just been from someone else. 
Yeah. Which yeah, is common. Was- There's no way to prove that that letter is actually from him. Exactly. And then also, like, there might be that um, the 1919 murders were maybe a copycat because yes. there was a long stretch between the 1819 murders and the 1919 murders. So maybe it was two people claiming to be the Axemen. So, yeah. I don't know. It's all you switched the wrong part of the year again. Did I? Yeah, there's a long stretch between the 1819 murders and the 1919 murders. That is, that's 101 years. That's 100 years. I, I legit think sometimes I have dyscalculia. Like, I really, I'm not good with numbers. I'm good with words. I'm not good with numbers. Well, and these are, these are stupid numbers. Like, yeah. how many, but how many times have I done that? Well, I'll be like, and we were in the year 19 something something. And you're like, we we're actually in the year 15 something. <laughs> like, yeah. we're not used to talking about the that far back yeah 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 of course yeah yeah yeah. although yeah. I find I I know I know him I don't know him from American Horror Story because I like the concept I want to watch American Horror Story the fact that every season has a new name confuses me though because it's like a new story I know oh I get that idea how also yeah. though I think I started watching it I think we've had this conversation before I started watching it too young Mm. And whatever I was watching, um, they moved into a new house and there was a man in one of those black latex sex morphs. Yes, you watched Murder House. Oh. Yes. And I made it like two episodes and it got a little bit too American Beauty for me. And then she was having sex with the black morph suit. And I was like, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Murder House. God, that is such an interesting first season for any TV show. Um, I definitely, you can definitely skip Murder House and go to Coven. I think Coven is, it's the second season. It's kind of where American Horror Story shines. Well, and I th- it must be because when you say names of the seasons, I know Coven. I yeah. I know, like, when you say them, I'll recognize them. Murder House, I don't recognize at all. Yeah. And it's the that, one that I watched. Yeah, that's season one is yeah. American Horror Story Murder House. And yes. it kind of has the same concept as, have you seen um, The Haunting of Hill House? Uh, like, part of it? I haven't seen all of it. Okay, so it's kind of like if you die in the house, you're trapped there. Okay. So like, Wonderful. It's like this family uncovering all these spirits and stuff. I mean, that's yeah, really nice of them. I would just leave. Yeah, honestly. I'd be like, we're moving. We're gone. We're out. Ugh. So if I were to try to watch it again I would start at season two and watch for a bit and then if I go back to Murder House once I'm confident I like the show that's not a bad idea that that's not a bad idea at all okay yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's just and I I may never watch it just because again I was like 12 years old I was probably too young to be watching that um and I just nope but that made me very I've turned I think I turned it off when the morph suits started having sex with her and I was like no I'm good yeah that's fair it's a very mature tv show so I, oh, I yeah. get that yeah, yeah, yeah. Start with Coven, and then you can work backwards or jump around seasons and stuff. Like, that's completely fine. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I think they don't all connect until season eight, season nine, which either one's the apocalypse season, but somehow they all connect in that season. Okay. It's, it's super down the line, but each season can be watched, like, individually by itself. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, are you done? Would you like to hear about my story? Yes, I'm finished. That is my case. 
the legend, the myth of the Axemen. Okay, good. I just don't want to cut you off because I know I did that no. a couple times in New York. Okay, next one. You're like, no, no, no I still have facts. And it's like, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you about, and you would know how this plays into American Horror Story. I wouldn't. Um, but I'm telling you about Marie Catherine Laveau. Oof, I'm so excited. Okay, I'm ready. I actually, I really like her. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I hope, you know, I've heard about the voodoo queen, and of course we hear scary things. Uh, she was actually a great human being. Yeah. Like uh, a yeah. really good person, which we will get to. Um, yeah. Saint-like, in fact, which I will yeah. get to. Yeah. So she was born September 10th, 1801, although some records put her birth as far back as seven, nine, no, I have 1974. I assume that's supposed to be 1794. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, the voodoo queen is only a little bit older than my mother. <laughs> or younger, God, I don't know. In what is now the French Quarter of New Orleans. So, Maddie, where were you in 1801? I'm pretty sure in 1801, my ancestors were probably still in Ireland and Germany. Um, I think my people were in Canada around now. Or pushing there, pushing there. Yeah. Um, I've my dad's side has been here for seven or nine generations. Oh, my mom's wow. family, yeah. Well, life was not good in Scotland. My mom's oh. family, however, came in the 1900s. However, just thinking about like where I'd want to be in 1901, I kind of feel the same way about like when we did New York and I cut and I asked for 1947, 45. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, in 1801, I don't think there's anywhere I want to be. Yeah, no, no. I, it just I, I wasn't really a happy time. No, no. Like, I no, can't even no. think of, you know, if I was the elite class. Uh, oh. Nope, the elite classes were falling. <laughs> yeah, true. Heads were being true. chopped off. Yeah. Um, yep. And I got red hair, so there's really no winning for me. <laughs> You're a witch. Uh -huh. And I think too sometimes, not a lot, but I do do it on occasion. <laughs> so she yeah. was born to a free woman of African, European, and Native American descent. Because her mother was unmarried, she has no father listed in her baptismal records. There were a couple potential men, but frankly, record keeping was so poor then that it's hard to tell who could be her father and who simply had a similarly spelt name. Um, which was common then. We've already had that a few times. She spent her childhood in a cottage on St. Anne Street in a home owned by her maternal grandmother, which was fairly impressive for a woman of any color at that time. But she was also a, a black woman at that time to own, or I shouldn't say that actually her mother's mixed. So I don't know what color her mother, her grandmother was, but that's still pretty impressive that she owns her own home. This house was near Armstrong Park, where enslaved people would gather and sing and dance on Sundays, which may have influenced uh, Marie at some point. On August 4th, 1819, so Marie would be 18, she married a Haitian refugee, and together they had two daughters, one in 
it says 1917 again, 1817. Yes, two years before they married, how spicy. And the other one in 1820. However, there seems to be no records of either after the 20s. Unfortunately, the same year their second daughter was born and a year after their marriage, her husband died. Although he may have gone missing for some time before being reported dead, she may have also started referring to herself as a widow before he was reported dead. I don't think there is anything suspicious here on her behalf, but it is possible that he didn't die, he deserted her. So after this, she lived with a nobleman, 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 sounds better, until his death in 1855. The couple had, I hate this, between seven and 15 children. We're not sure. But either don't sound pleasant, but 15 sounds horrible. Seven to 15 children? Yep, that's what you get with a high mortality rate and no birth control. Jesus, H. Christ. Yep, well, oh and they're French, so four of the girls were all named Marie. <laughs> and of course, you call them by their second name, but even the second name, they had a lot of the same names. Marie so her, or whatever. Yeah, well, her first two girls born from the Haitian man were Felicity and Angelique. Okay. Um, but when she had two more girls with the new man, she also had Marie Felicity and Marie Angelique. Oh. Like, I mean, I guess if you liked the name and they didn't make it, just reuse the name, but also... That's no? true, but if they did make it, that's awkward. Yes, they, they didn't make it, but I also just don't... I mean, I have had many, many Kelly pets. I have yeah. many cats. I've had three cats that were black and white. They were all Kelly. I just, They weren't my children. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's really... Yeah. Co- I've, I've seen that a few times where it's like, well, John didn't make it, so this, the brother that was born a week after he died, he got to be named John, too. Oh, Ugh. Yeah, so only two survived, um, oh, sorry, only two of, I don't know whether only two of her entire, ch- all her children, or two of the Marie's, but I think two of all her children survived into adulthood. Yeah, yeah. They but they were all named Marie. They they mentioned that in Coven, yeah. Yes, well, and there is some confusion around her death as well, because it's possible that her daughter, Marie, was pretending to be her for a while. Oh, yeah. So when Marie dies, there's reports that, you know, she died still being a beautiful young woman, even though she was old. So that might have been the wrong Marie they were looking at. Um, But that could also be why we start getting a little bit of um, different reports as to Marie, her powers becoming a little bit more negative or showy at least. Yeah. Because her daughter started pushing towards that direction. And if she was pretending to be her mother... Or if people just couldn't tell or something like that. Yeah. It does get quite confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she had a ton of names. She had a ton of children and their names were all French and very confusing because every child had three or four names. So I'm just going to say she had a ton of kids. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So during her life, Marie visited prisoners on death row, likely to help them find peace and probably forgiveness. Um, But rumors spread that she was also giving them poison to take before heading to the gallows. This was disproved by her daughter, who said that only Catholic traditions took place and suicide falls outside of that. She helped a lot of men get either get pardons or have their sentences converted. She was she 
She also did some nursing, including small surgeries, which again, a woman of her time, that's crazy. I mean, crazy good. Not just for the men in prison, but she would also take, often take sick people home to her home. Home to her home, where she took care of them. So here, I'd like to just focus for a second on voodoo itself, because there's a lot of false information. Um, and I've personally actually gotten to be involved in some of that false information. So I would like to clear some of that up because false rumors can be harmful. So Marie was a devoted Christian and practiced voodoo. Now, to some people, these might be conflicting ideas, but they aren't necessarily. So in high school, we actually had to learn a little bit about voodoo. Uh, voodoo is French, so it's from Haiti and New Orleans. Uh, English countries had obia, but we had to, because it plays into our history a bit. So we had to learn about it. It is just simply, for what we were taught, it is just simply the combination of African and Christian religions. Uh, Marie herself mixed the two as well, as they were both really important to her. Possibly, thanks to her, uh, we have more Christianity in voodoo than there was previously. She managed to include holy water, uh, incense, Christian saints, and prayer to voodoo. So I actually, I'm going to turn my camera on. This is my little voodoo dude. I actually got him completely unrelated to New Orleans. My mom used to have a secondhand store in Alexander Hamilton's birthplace, actually, in the house. Um, I think I told you a little bit about that. It's not in yeah. good condition. I was yeah. I would kind of jump to make sure that I wasn't standing under those large beams because they're gonna fall yeah. down. But this oh. came in and I loved him, so I kept him. Oh, nice. <laughs> However, when I moved to Canada, I did tell you I could turn my camera off now. I did tell you I was living with a family that didn't necessarily like me. Right. Um, yeah, the family that, you know, gaslit me into getting a, a um, Ouija board and then took it away. Oh, uh, yeah. So the daughter went around and spread the rumor that I was both a Satan worshiper and I practiced voodoo. Oh. With this, all because of this little dude, I assume, um, which can't happen. The two yeah. don't go together. Yeah, to no, begin with, don't. like I said, I'm from an English territory, so I would be practicing Obia. Yeah. And you can't, you're not, a, it's not um, satanic. It's yeah. Christian-ish. So yeah. that's not how it works together. But um, I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. What's the difference between voodoo and you do? You do or hoodoo? I think it's you do. I don't. O D O O. I don't know anything about that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna do a Google then. Okay, so I'll finish reading my paragraph and then you can tell me what you find. Okay. Okay, um, so I'll bring that up again in, in a second. So an article in Britannica described voodoo. However, over time, it uh, as it developed, the, ch the spelling of voodoo changed because it's not necessarily the same voodoo that was original. So voodoo, spelled V-O-D-O-U, was originally a religious system originating from Dahomey, which is currently Benin. I just like saying Dahomey. It comes from the words spirit or deity and was brought to the new world during the slave trade. I think it's important to note that voodoo of Haiti and New Orleans and Dahomey are not the same thing. 
as with any movement of cultures, they change as they move and they change in their new homes separately than from other new homes. So Haitian and New Orleans voodoo did not mingle and mix in New Orleans. Oh, sorry. Haitian and New Orleans voodoo only mixed once Haitian, once the Haitian refugees fled Haiti after the revolution and moved to New Orleans and mixed with New Orleans in general. So after that, Haitian or New Orleans voodoo would have elements of Haitian voodoo, but Haitian voodoo will have no elements of New Orleans voodoo. Um, so in New Orleans, people would seek out a voodoo practitioner for both protection in their everyday, everyday life and even help intervening in their life. This could be anything from love to political powers. Marie's beliefs included spiritual forces that that sort sort of control or influence our lives um, if asked right and could be encouraged to influence our lives any way we might need. This is not uncommon and can be seen in other cultures as well. Frankly, this is kind of like Christians praying to God. We ask him right and maybe good things could happen. Most voodoo practitioners use their skills for good. Unfortunately, the few that use them for negative purposes were the ones that were stationalized by the media. This segment might have also become known as hoodoo, although hoodoo could also just refer to the more magical aspects of voodoo. It's all very mixed up. Um, and again, it's sensationalized. So is that how it became magical and therefore evil? I'm a little sensitive to this, not because I'm connected in any way. My country does not have any connections to voodoo or obia, frankly. We don't do either of those anymore. Most of the Caribbean doesn't. But people running with a fraction of the truth is how we get harmful or at least annoying stereotypes. And frankly, right. I question how much of it is racist. Mm. And that is something I brought up with that girl. You know, why is, and she's, her sister kind of went to Texas to join a culty or Christian school. Um, but that was completely okay for them to send her off into like a boot camp where she starved for a week. But voodoo is evil Satan worshiping. It's because you are racist and it is black. Hmm? She didn't like me asking that. Um, but I do wonder about that because there are many similarities found in voodoo and European religions, yet one is labeled evil and sometimes alive, aligned with the devil. True. So, true. Yeah. True, true. And I think there's many things that we can look at like that where foreign or just things that are typically done by black people are viewed as evil. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what did you find about you do? So... I got it confused. It is actually hoodoo. So you brought up the difference between voodoo and hoodoo really well. So you actually got it right. I was just confused on pronunciation, I think. No, I feel like because like when I was younger, I honestly just thought hoodoo was an accent. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes. yeah. But, but uh, you got it right where like from the articles I read, like, Voodoo is more religion based, while hoodoo is more about the magical practices and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can also understand people who just don't understand. It's not intentionally that you're trying to make it look bad, but if you walked up against a bunch of people and they were sacrificing a goat, that's evil. Right. I yeah. and I, I do we do come across that later on in the story where there's some people where it's like I don't think maybe they weren't. Yes, some were. I think some might have just also not understood what they came across. 
Right. Yeah, or yeah. gossip. You know, yeah. I can see you sacrificing a snake. Well, that's not interesting, is it? When I get back, I'm going to tell my friends you sacrificed the whole goat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that was, that was honestly, I think that was the heaviest part of this. We're going to go back to uh, Marie. I think she's an incredible yeah. person. Yes. So Marie was said to be, or yeah, was said to be the granddaughter of a powerful priestess. Again, words that are Christian. Anyway, um, and studied under a powerful Senegalese. I know that's just the country of Senegal, but I just can't. And I don't even think I pronounced that right. Conjurer after her mother died. Many would come to her for help and some help I mentioned, some of the help I mentioned above. And she would do, do what she could to help in any form, either advice or giving them charms or something physical to try to help them. Marie's voodoo career took off when she opened a beauty salon. She would either listen in on the conversations of her wealthy clients. Uh, she could get it from the servants, either by paying them or using her knowledge of herbs to help cure their illnesses. She would then use this knowledge to add to her fortune telling consultations to help give more accurate readings and advice. Now, some people point to this as see she's fake. I don't think so. I don't see why not, even if you are clairvoyant or anything. Use what you do know to try to make sure that your advice is as accurate as possible. Um, even right. with the powers, if I know a little bit more about you, I can help you more. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. She eventually closed her salon to focus on her six billion children. But by, by, by then she had a growing clientele that, ha, that came to her regardless for her voodoo skills. It was said that, quote, there were businessmen who would not send a ship to sea before consulting her upon the probabilities of the voyage. Around now was when she started becoming known as the voodoo queen. Marie practiced in three locations mostly. Her home on St. Anne Street, Congo Square, and Lake P. At home, uh, sh I, this is all, I'm now using uh, Apple Notes rather than Word, and this is a hot mess. At home, she, she participated in the consultations I talked about earlier, but also ceremonies to communicate with important spirits. Congo Square was actually, it's really cool, it was a space set aside by city officials specifically for enslaved and freed black people to celebrate whatever they needed to. These weren't necessarily religious ceremonies, but just events that people could have a good time. But Voodoo and the Voodoo Queen were often present. The third place was Bayou Street St. John, or sorry, Bayou St. John's on Lake P, where major ceremonies took place. Marie would often be accompanied by a king or a second-ranking male officiate. Officiate. Important person. Some of the wild stories we hear about voodoo could come from people who followed the group to watch from a distance and shared dramatized stories when they got back. Either out of racism, although voodoo was looked down upon by both black and white people, or they were simply sensationalizing what they saw. There may have also been locations like Mason Blanche, or also just the White House, where secret meetings were held. Obviously, I wouldn't know much about that. Marie was the third female voodoo leader, following Saint Dede 
and Marie Salope. Yeah, okay. She was actually so popular that when she died, a lot of people left the practice. A local newspaper once referred to her as the notorious hag who reigns over the ignorant and superstitious as the queen of the voodoos. But that was likely written by someone who looked down on voodoo. To many people, she was both feared for her power, as there were stories of what could happen to anyone who offended her, not that I found any of those, and also loved, as she did an extensive amount of humanitarian work, and she helped a lot of people of any background. Around 1875, Marie gave her last performance where she announced that she would be retiring. A woman like this doesn't usually actually retire, though, and she continued to give readings from her home and continued to try to help the poor and the men in prison. Her daughter tried to take over for her mother, but was not as successful. Apparently, she simply was not as, as warm and compassionate as her mother was and may have inspired more fear than love. Marie died peacefully in her home, June 15, 1881. Her final resting place was difficult to find, as there were a couple women with similar names, and no one is fully sure of the spelling. There is a plaque at the place that is most likely her grave, at the St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, that explains not only who she was, but what voodoo was as well. Her funeral was reportedly very lavished and attended by people of all races and all social classes. When she died, multiple newspapers, including the New York Times, reported it and described her as a woman of great beauty, intellect, and charisma, who was also pious, charitable, and a skilled herbal healer. Others referred to her as one of the kindest women who ever lived and a saintly figure who nursed the sick and prayed incessantly with de the diseased and condemned. Marie is now believed to be among the ancestors or the spirits that she in her own life would reach out to for help, meaning she is now able to be contacted and help for help herself. Tourists will visit her grave and draw X's on her grave, although this may be a separate grave from the one mentioned above in cemetery number two now. The belief is that if you draw an X on her grave, turn around three times, knock on the tomb, and yell out her wish, you will wake up the dead. Or she'll come back and grant it. I don't know, whichever one you believe. If she does, you need to come back and circle your X and leave her an offering. Uh, this is what we were talking about earlier. I just stay out of the graveyards stop drawing yeah. on her grave please and stop yelling yeah. in her in the graveyard like there are there it's an actual graveyard there are people who are paying their respects and you are screaming and i understand different yeah. cultures believe different things however um this has now been shut down in a way they're trying to shut it down at least you can yeah. no longer cause she's not the only famous grave in i in either cemetery yeah. um you now can only enter with a tour yeah, yeah, yeah. And I assume that is if the tour guide turns around and someone is spinning around in circles, they're going to shut that down before you start yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I should remind you that drawing on her, on her or any grave is not really allowed. And while you could be hoping for her goodwill, you will also be destroying her grave at the same time. Yeah. You could also leave other decorations or offerings. Apparently, she yeah. is cool with coins, Mardi Gras beads, flowers, rum, or candles. Nice. Yes. So some voodoo followers still pray to her while others leave hair ties at her home to honor her time as a hairdresser, which, however, also as someone with a ton of hair, it is nice to know that I could find hair ties somewhere in that city. <laughs> <laughs> and as a hairdresser, I think she'd understand. 
Yeah, I think so. Would that buy you heat? I'd probably come up and be like, listen, lady, I'm about to die. It's just taking over. It's strangling me. I need to put it up somehow. And my scrunchie just broke. Yeah. <laughs> so here's one, though. Her grave is said to have had or to have to get more visitors than the king of rock and roll. Oh. And I have only been to Elvis's graves. And if that is true, she must have one hell of a headache. No. Because that is a busy grave. And to be honest, like, I know it means she was very successful. It means she was popular, a great person. But I just would not want my grave being that busy. Yeah, that's very true. Especially because, like, you know, she she did, she died, like, over 100 years ago. But that does mean uh, her grandchildren or her great-grandchildren are still alive. Yeah. And I can't imagine I'd like to go see my I'd like to go see my family, but you know, yeah. I can't because there's a there's big a lineup of tourists. Yeah. yeah. So I hope that the tours are trying to work on that as well, bringing them in peacefully and quietly. Um yeah. I do worry that people are probably drunk. Oh. And I'm not yeah. like that that's not that's not on the um tour, that's just how I feel about tourists. Yeah. So, and there have also been a handful of weird attempts on the grave. Not a, not sure what else to call them. In 1982, the punk rock band The Misfits were arrested and accused of attempting to exhume her. Oh. Yeah, I, mean, I did mean to look that up and find out more, but I forgot to. But I don't have any more information on that, just that. In oh. 2013, an unknown vandal painted the grave in paint, pink latex paint which would have been seriously damaging to the grave as it would lock in the moisture. Oh. And I also find this really weird because that sounds like a protest. Yeah. But I hate when they do a protest, but then you want to be unknown. So we don't know what you were protesting. Yeah. Like, what was your purpose on this? Can I respect it? Or were you just being annoying? Yeah. Um, and there was a little bit, the Preservation Society was a little bit annoyed because it was cleaned off, but it was just cleaned off with a pressure washer. Oh. So, like, 50-50, it's off. It's better for the grave. But the pressure washer couldn't have been too kind to it. Yeah. So, like I was saying, in 2015, the cemetery was closed to the public. You can now only enter with a tour guide. Yeah. So, um... Marie has inspired extensive books, movies, songs, and art pieces, including one by Shel Silverstein, Silverstein, where the sidewalk ends, guys. Ends, guys. Oh. I wanted to look into it, also didn't get the chance to. I'm camping right now, so I don't have internet, so I have a list of things I want to do when I come into the city, and then I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in 1999, a musical was based off of her life. Oh. Okay. Okay. There is a Marvel character based off of her. Which one? I don't know. All right, doing a Google. <laughs> um, you might want to keep that Google page open because my last fact is kind of very interesting. She okay. was played by Angela Bassett in possibly two seasons of American Horror Story. Yep. Which I want to watch anyway, but Angela Bassett would probably kill this character. Oh, she's amazing. I bet she's so. Amazing. Okay, and this is the weirdest one. She her most she was in an episode of Young Sheldon. Oh. How? Yeah. Like I need I need to Google that. I forgot to. But like what was she doing in Young Sheldon? Okay, one second. Give me one minute. 
Also, I looked at the Marvel character, and she's just in there as herself. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, And I'm going to assume that maybe young Sheldon, it's a dream? No, there's an episode where the family goes to New Orleans, and she's just a fortune teller there. Like, it's just a character name, but it's not actually. Okay. Because that was my next bet, was he was going to go there, but they're a little off on the timeline, unless Sheldon is that old. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Um, and there finally, there is a movement to have Marie canonized. I think she clearly deserves it, but unfortunately, Voodoo's false and bad reputation may hinder that. Um, but they are working to try to get her canonized. That's good. So Voodoo is still practiced today, and I'll quote womenshistory.com because I like the way they put it. The main focus of New Orleans Voodoo today is to serve others and and influence the outcome of life's events through the connection with nature, spirits, and ancestors. Voodoo methods include readings, spiritual baths, specially devised diets, prayers, and personal ceremony. Voodoo is often used to cure anxiety, addictions, depression, loneliness, and other ailments. It seeks to help the hungry, the poor, and the sick, as Marie Laveau once did. So I think that should clarify voodoo is not Satan worshipping. It is not yeah. evil. Uh, it's misunderstood. Yeah. And honestly, I want all of that. Right? Are you kidding? I want, I want like, all of it. I would go, hey, can you help with a little bit of anxiety? And I don't know about the loneliness, but that might help my depression. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get this special diet of the food or whatever to eat? Oh. Is that a... Hello. Normally it's I'm my ca- cat that's interrupting. I'm cat sitting right now, so Linksy is just saying hello. Well, Morgan is actually still at the campsite, so I just have Buddy, who's very asleep and very quiet. Um, but if he farts, I would have had to cancel all future recordings. <laughs> He, he's bad enough that the shelter warned my parents before they took him. Oh, no. <laughs> like, he has tummy issues. Prepare yourself. Bless him. Oh, but he's a sweet little boy. So that is it, though. That is my case on Miss Marie Laveau. And that is it for season one, isn't it? Yes, that's a wrap on season one. However, we are not gone for good. No, 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 no. We will you'll, be back. You'll get... We're taking a little break this summer from our main episodes, but you'll get all the day trips and mini episodes. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, and we might change up our mini our uh, day trips and mini episodes a little bit. Touch yes. on things that just interest us. Um, yeah. But we'll try to stay on topic. Like, it's travel. Maybe it'll be a little bit of history of places we, want, we have gone to. I don't yeah. think we're going to touch any new cities yet. But then again, that's a couple months, so we don't know. Yeah, exactly. And if you if there's any suggestions you want to get to us, check us out on Instagram at Terrifying Travels, and we'll be taking your suggestions over there. Ideally, I would like to start season two with a couple scripts right off the bat. So if you guys have any ideas, get them to us, and we'll start working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So bye bye for now, because <laughs> you're fighting with the cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you guys for flying with us for a season finale. This summer, Sabrina and I are going to take a little break. You'll still get day trips and fun mini-sodes from us. Our full episodes will return in the fall. So thank you guys so much for your support and for listening. Stay terrified, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.